Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Our special guest today is Peter Brandt. We heard his views on Bitcoin last week, and today we discuss chart patterns and trade entry. I saw the Rembrandt and Dutch Masters exhibition in Sydney last week. Just like the great masters like Rembrandt or Picasso went through different periods in their art, New traders will often go through different periods in their charting, making the same classic mistakes. Peter and I discuss what some of those mistakes are, and we also hear how Peter views the charts after all these years in the markets. We also have a new segment on the show today called A Little Trading, where Chris Take gives perspectives on small accounts. But first, Louise Bedford shares a fascinating mind power on evolutionary behavior and how it affects your trading. The golden rule of share trading is keep your losses small and let your profits run. Even though this sounds easy in theory, in practical terms it can be incredibly difficult to follow. As a trade becomes more profitable, we should be risk-seeking and engage in strategies like pyramiding, which is adding money to a winning position. And when a trade goes against us, we should be risk-averse and the trade should be instantly exited. Unfortunately, the majority of traders have this rule the wrong way around. They become risk-seeking when faced with a loss and they simply let it run. They are also likely to become risk-averse when a trade is profitable, exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. It's difficult for traders to obey these rules. It seems their own psychology often defeats them, and it's far more complex than it would first appear. Much of human behaviour has been shaped by evolution. Now, imagine that you were one of our primitive ancestors. Just say you are out hunting one day, happily in the sunshine on the savannah, but suddenly a vicious predator leaps out from behind a tree and attacks. The only behaviour that will offer any survival advantage is to attack, to become risk-seeking. To run would only invite an attack from behind and your predator would run you down in a flash. When faced with a growing loss, the evolutionary behaviour is to attack, to hold on to a trade, or even worse, to average down by buying more. In essence, we become risk-seeking. It doesn't matter that the trader is faced with a losing trade compared to a saber-toothed cat. It's a behavioural response that really is triggered from a very deep place within. 
the behavioural response in that situation is to seek risk. The same behaviour applies to the inability of traders to let profits run. Let's imagine this time still in your fairy underwear because you're one of our primitive ancestors. Let's imagine this time that you've come across a bounty. It might be a fruit tree or a fresh animal carcass. The instinctive behaviour is to grab as much as you possibly can and then run. There will always be something bigger and stronger and faster than you nearby. The caveman, like the trader, becomes risk averse. Decisions had to be made rapidly, with limited thought processing behind it. Is that movement in the bushes simply the wind, or is it something more sinister? The only thing that would ensure survival is a snap judgment. And as traders, we have transferred this primitive level of thinking to trading. The popular belief that trading is a series of snap judgments and instant decisions is just plain wrong if you want to be profitable. It also leads us to say so things like BHP is a good share. The implication is that good shares do what they're told. They don't go down. They only ever go up. Unfortunately, this primitive classification is made by very primitive behaviour. Overcome your own primitive instincts. Let your profits run. Cut your losses as soon as it becomes clear that the trade isn't cooperating with your initial view. In trading, our own evolution has conspired against us. The behaviours that in the past ensured our success have in essence guaranteed that the majority of people will never make money in the markets. The only way to overcome this is through self-awareness. Investing is not about feeling right. It is about making money. Hi, my name is Meredith Jones, author of Women of the Street, Why Female Money Managers Outperform and How You Can Too, and I listen to Talking Trading. A little trading. Chris Tate, what's your advice to someone who's starting with a low amount of money in the markets? This is actually a really interesting question because I, I actually think everybody starts that way. No, I won't say everybody. The majority of people start that way. It's like everything else in life. Everyone is a beginner at everything. And the majority of people start off with a low capital base. But having a low capital base does present some psychological problems. And they're not the ones you initially think. When you have a low capital base, you must play defence. You just have to. But the intriguing thing about people with a low capital base is they often don't. And for some reason, they get confused between absolute and relative terms. They think, oh, let, let's, let's say I've got $30,000. They think, well, that doesn't sound like very much. But in absolute terms, it, it might represent their entire net worth. So they get confused as to how defensive they should be. They also get confused as to the notion that the same rules that apply to, I don't know, let's say a hedge fund, apply to them. So the same rules of position sizing, the same rules of cutting your losses, the same rules of being aggressive with your winners apply. 
but they tend to discount those because they think my account's so small, I don't need to worry about those things. I'll just put 30 grand on black and see how we go. And so a, a small capital base forces you to be just as disciplined as everybody else. Peter Brand is a classical chartist with over four decades of experience in the markets. He is the author of A Diary of a Professional Commodities Trader. Last week we heard from Peter on Bitcoin, and today we discuss with him common mistakes new traders make in the markets. Let's talk about some common mistakes made by beginner chartists. Looking too hard for patterns in the charts. Well, I've noticed that when somebody kind of gets discovers the idea of charts, you know, their, their charts get marked up like Star Wars maps. Uh, you know, they, 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 all of a sudden they read a chapter on head and shoulders out of the Schaubacher or Edwards and McGee book, and they find head and shoulders everywhere they look. Uh, is or all of a sudden they get they, they get into a rectangle phase or you know they go you know it's like Picasso went through different periods right so they get into the trend line the trend line period and there's trend lines everywhere they look I, I frankly have a different view of technical analysis I, I just don't think and some technicians will take exception to this particularly Elliott Wave guys but that. Uh, the vast majority of time, most markets are, you can't figure them out. They just don't fit the mold. They'll escape understanding. So what I found for me in any given market, there may only be two or three times an entire year where I can look at a market and say, okay, the chart is now telling me there is something for me to do. And as a matter of fact, I kind of take that as a frame of, of reference that, you know, I follow 60 different markets. Now, that's, you know, few equity markets, global futures, uh, Forex pairs, and now five or six cryptos. So, you know, 60 markets. Uh, you know, if I find any more than six or eight new trades in a month, I have to step back and examine myself and say, is my nose too close to the to the page? Do I need to step back and get you know, instead of a, a, a one-inch perspective of a blade of grass, do I have to, you know, get an airplane and get up 30,000 feet and get a little bit different perspective and be able to look at things? That's why I discourage people from, you know, these interday charts, one-hour charts, and then you got guys looking at one-minute charts and tick charts. And uh, that I, I just think that there's too much volatility to really under, try to understand markets that way. And so... I kind of take the attitude that if I look at a chart and don't see a trade within a millisecond of looking at the chart, it's time to look at the next chart in the scroll. So um, that really good patterns are few and far between. And I, rather than looking at that as an indictment of charting, I look at it as one of charting's big advantages, big features, is it's very selective in determining when risk should be taken. Attempting to understand all markets at all times. This is something I can fall into the trap of. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I remember back on Board of Trade. I mean, back when I mixed with traders all the time and, you know, and you, you had lunch with traders and you rode on elevators with traders and you took commuter trains with traders. 
you know, and they'd say, well, I'm going to go home and study my charts. I'm going, study your charts? What are you talking about, study your charts? Uh, as if if you spend enough time on the chart of a particular market, somehow you're going you're gonna to find the magic key. That it's just there to be found if you study it enough. You know, I, I just find that idea to be lacking in, in wisdom and prudence. And uh, I'd much rather be able to see a market where the, 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 it becomes self-apparent to me. I can, hardly, I can hardly not see that there is an opportunity to take a risk position, that I don't have to study charts, but the really, really good patterns become self-apparent. And I think that that's just not true for a classical chartist, but it's probably true for those guys who are good at Elliott Wave or guys that are good at, good at Fibonacci or, you know, whatever, a Wyckoff or whatever their subspecialty is, is that they, they learn their craft. And, that, and we've talked about this, that trader, trading not an art, not a science, it's a craft. But they become such good craftsmen at what they do that they can, you know, they can see beauty at some point in time in a given market that speaks to their inner, their inner being. And uh, they don't, I, I think a lot of chartists make charting way, way too much work because they always feel they need to be marking up a chart. And wow, what would that be like if we go through an entire year in a, in a mark without even drawing a line? Well, I, I think that there are times when that's the most appropriate thing to do. It, there's a lot of people that have said to me, well, why don't I take what I know about charts and systematize it and try to convert it to a computer formula and feed it into a computer and have a computer do what I do? And I suppose to some degree that could happen. But I think, I always think of a trader in terms of what's your edge. You know, where do you gain that edge that when exploited, over a large number of trades, over a long enough period of time, you come out ahead. Well, you know, the subject of edge. Edge is not discussed much anymore. It used to be a big word among traders. Traders were always talking about their edge. Uh, but it's your advantage. It's that slight advantage. It's like, it's like the casinos in Las Vegas. They pay out, let's say, 99 cents for every dollar bet in a slot machine. They have a one cent edge, right? And uh, over any given poll of that slot machine, that edge really doesn't exist. But over hundreds of thousands of polls, that one cent or two cent is what brings in their fortune. Because that's the edge, but the edge has to be exploited when N, N equals the number of trades you do, N is a large enough number. And so I don't think my edge is the fact that I'm a classical chartist. I think my edge comes through extreme discipline. I think my edge comes through overcoming some of the emotional urges that try to sabotage me. And I think my edge comes through some sort of inner sense that, yes, this is a head and shoulders I'm looking at, but this is a different head and shoulders. This, for some reason, it just has the feel of a winner that a typical head and shoulders do. You could, you could teach a computer to recognize a head and shoulders based on certain mathematical principles and it'll come up with all kinds of head and shoulders. Well, I'm interested in a head and shoulders that 
that there's something in me, there's an instinctive sense that tells me uh, this is this is worth a bet. Peter Brandt, we'll leave it at that. Thank you for coming back onto Talking Trading. Always, always. Hey, wouldn't that be cool sometimes if we did this in person done in Sydney? Very cool. Or Colorado. Or Colorado. Either one would work for me. Stay tuned next week, guys, to hear mentor read Doug Jew on his article, which was published this month in your Trading Edge magazine. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.